0: Our Father which art in heaven, thank you that you have made the understanding of salvation as simple as A, B, C, and yet a lot of times we just don't get it. We don't understand. How does this thing work? What's my part? What do you do? What do I do? And so as we uh, go through this today, Lord, we pray for the gift of your Holy Spirit to come in to teach us because we want to know you. He told us in John 17, 3, that this is life eternal, that we might know you. And so we're coming here today seeking you, that we might find you, and that we might have eternal life. And we're seeking with our whole hearts, Lord. We're not holding anything back. You can have all of our habits and likes and dislikes. And we're asking that you take over and, and live in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, for the benefit, how many were not here yesterday? One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Um, in order for us to be born again, and that's what this is all about, we need to realize that we need a Savior. Okay, And so you might think, well, I'm in the church. Of course, I already realize that. But we read yesterday several statements where it said, many that come to Christ and are baptized are buried alive. Because self doesn't die. Because self doesn't die, then we have problems in the church because we're always being self-centered and fighting with each other about different things, color of carpet, copy machines, uh, other menial tasks it has nothing to do with salvation. And if you've been in the church at any length of the time, if you've been in a board meeting any times, you know there's things that come up that are unChrist-like spirits. True? Or am I just making this up? Okay. And so for you and me in this classroom, we want to be like Jesus Christ. We want to learn how to live the Christian life 24-7, every day, every minute of the day. And it is possible because Christ said it was possible. Okay, um, I I wish Jeannie Jeannie hasn't shown up yet. This lady I talked to today, and she was sitting right there, and she's coming today someplace. She told me a story about her husband. And I don't want to do it without her, but I might have to. (laughs) He's going to get baptized uh, sometime in the near future. She became an Adventist 18 years ago. He never did. And yet, now he's going, here she comes now. Be baptized just in a few weeks. And some of the things I shared yesterday, she said would really have helped him in his searching for God. Jeannie, I'm I'm talking all about you, and I I didn't tell the whole story because I wanted to wait until you got here. I was off
1: each having lunch, and I couldn't get a ride to get
0: out (laughs) here. That's okay. Glad you made it.
1: I said I left.
0: Anyway, I, maybe uh, I just introduced you that you, your husband's going to get baptized. Maybe you want to fill in a little bit of the blanks here. And I apologize for keeping everyone so late yesterday, so I'm going to try to keep it shorter today. You must...
1: much, I've been walking. Yeah,
0: just take a break. I'm going to tell a story that has something to do, I think, of your husband. But okay.
1: All right. Well, my husband and I have been together for 40 years now. Forty. 40 years, I joined the church 10 years after we were married without him, and he was okay with that. He had been an Adventist, raised up as an Adventist, and left the church before I met him. So he was okay with me going to church or taking the kids, but he wouldn't come, and he allowed me to put him in church school, and I had a daughter graduate from uh, Great Lakes, And uh, he's just been kind of sitting back in the background all these years, not saying anything, and I'm always leaving the invitation open, you can come to church with me. A few years ago, he had made a comment about not understanding the Bible, so I bought him the uh, Ellen White children's version of the Bible. He had it for about a year, and then he started reading it from Genesis 1 and read the whole thing through, and during that time... I had a car accident, which scared him to death. I was fine, but it was enough to scare him. And I said, you know, I want to be going to Wednesday night studies. And our pastor does a wonderful Wednesday night study. So he came once, kind of got his little bit of an interest, and he went back. He's been going back now for a year and a half, and now he's asking to be baptized.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So um, I left the church for 10 years. And th- I want to share this. I didn't share this yesterday. You know, I, I said I'd been baptized three times. And I had enough baptismal certificates to paper a small building. But the, the last one, I didn't, even, I didn't even get it. But anyway, so it's not baptism that gets us into the heaven, right? It's, it's knowing God. And one of the reasons that I left as a young person, and we've got all kinds of statistics and stuff about our kids leaving, but one of the things that that hit me was the inconsistency in the members, Okay, looking at people. And you can't do that because we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory glory of God. We all have weaknesses and mistakes and failures. Some of us uh, understand walking with God a little better than other people, And some people are out of control and some people aren't. So we can't look at people. And so I would really recommend you get this little book called Steps to Christ. Read it with your Bible and with this. After I read this, um, after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit impressed me to read this book. And since as a young person I had Ellen White crammed down my throat, you know, like they always say, but Ellen White is our best friend. I mean, she's helped me. Tremendously, I can't even explain how much she's helped me to understand Jesus Christ. And so, um, in, on page seventy-one, it says this: When the mind dwells upon self, this is what Satan wants to get us to do—to dwell upon ourselves, our own mistakes and failures. Okay. Now, yesterday we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. Okay, and we were complete in Him. We were complete in Him. Okay. So now He wants you to look at yourself your own weaknesses, failures, your guilt, what you've done in the past, and he'll bring up the past, and I shared that with you yesterday. The text you want to look at there is Ezekiel 33, I believe it is. Let me see. It's on the slide. Oh, it's on the slide. Never mind. I have to obey my wife. I have to submit to her all the time because she's got this thing all together, and in my mind it's up here, and then she says, well, I already put it on the screen, so I'm learning lessons. Uh, So, uh, dwelling upon self... And then, uh, let's see the next one. Uh, when the mind dwells upon itself, it is turned away from Christ, the source of our strength and life. Hence, it is Satan's constant effort. Now how how thorough, how complete is the word constant? Is that, is that all, never, never ceasing? Is that all the time? Never ceasing. never ceasing. All the time? He's constantly trying to get us to dwell upon ourselves and our mistakes and failures. Okay? So when you start doing that, I want you to recognize that that's not from God. Okay? That's from the devil. Okay? Um, God wants us to dwell upon Him. That's His will. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is, Satan's constant effort to keep us our attention diverted from the Savior and thus prevent the union and communion of the soul with Christ. The pleasures of the world, that's the second thing that Satan wants us to be involved in or dwell upon, the pleasures of the world. These are the things he's going to try to use to disconnect you from Jesus Christ, okay? Now that that comes in all kinds of, of shapes and sizes and colors and things. It could be sports, it could be soap operas, you know, all kinds of different things. Anything to uh, to take our minds off of Christ. The pleasure of the world are life's cares. Has anybody in this room ever had a life care? Okay? That's one thing that's, that Satan wants to use to distract us from our Savior. Okay? Life's cares. So when you have a life care, if sometime in the future you might have a life care about something, recognize. This is one way that Satan's going to try to separate you from Jesus, okay? So, what's the first one? Looking at ourselves. Okay, life's cares and perplexities, the faults of others. Don't look at other people. And this is what I did as a kid, because I didn't know any better. But uh, by looking at Michelle and her faults and what she's not doing, or what I think she should be doing and she's not doing. Maybe she's eating between meals. I'm thinking, man, Michelle, how can you do that? And I start dwelling upon Michelle's failures of eating between meals and chewing gum at the same time. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, I'm losing sleep because of, because of Michelle. <laughs> okay, I'm just using her for an example. I always, you, you know you shouldn't even come in the room because you know I'm going to use you. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing is um, faults of others, uh, your faults, imperfections. To any or all of these things, he seeks to divert the mind. Okay? That's what Satan's going to try to do. And it's really a good thing to know kind of his plan, too, so when it comes in, we can say, oh, it's just the devil again, and we can turn away from him and turn to Christ. Okay? I want to read the rest. Do not be misled by his devices. Many who are really conscientious and desire to live for God, he too often leads to dwell upon our own faults and our own mistakes. And thus, by separating us from Christ, he hopes to gain the victory. Check this one out. This is really cool. We should not make self the center and indulge anxiety and fear as to whether we shall be saved. Okay? That's not our job. Okay? We, we learned yesterday that our salvation is in Jesus Christ and we can't save ourselves, right? Okay? Did anybody bother to read the homework I gave you? Nicodemus? Okay, if you read Nicodemus, the chapter in Desire of Ages, and in chapter 3 of John, you're going to realize that this thing about being born again is something outside of ourselves. Okay? We have very little to do about it except to surrender to the love of God. Isn't that, isn't that good news? I thought that was pretty awesome news, isn't <laughs> it? Because, you know, I spent a lot of my time trying to earn salvation. And when I realized I couldn't do it, wow, that was like a big old load off my back. Now, some people have a hard time with this because we don't want to think of the idea that Jesus Christ did it all, or does it all for us. Okay? We feel like we have to have some part in this thing. Okay, But in this little book, and Mrs. White wrote this by God's direction so that we'd understand what justification by faith alone was. Okay, And there was a big controversy back in the 1800s. And then the next book she wrote was Sanctified Life. So we'd have a balance so we could understand what it means to walk in holiness. Okay, So i really recommend you take this book and read it. After I read it and I found uh, Christ through the Bible, and then I read this, I said, God, this is such good news. We should be shouting this from the rooftops. And I never even heard anything about it. And I went through academy and, and stuff and never heard one thing about righteousness by faith. Until... I was born again. I got out my old Bible book from um, my 11th grade, junior year in high school. I started reading it. The whole thing was full of righteousness by faith. We never talked about it. We talked about abstract things that had nothing to do with our everyday life. So that's what I wanted to, want to leave you with. That's from yesterday. Okay, I haven't started today. Uh, commit the keeping of your soul with God. You need to do this every single morning and during the day too. Commit the keeping of your soul with God. Okay, Start it off in the morning with your devotions. And if, if you can't do it in the morning, do it sometime during the day. We've got to keep that connection open. We've got to feed our minds with the Word of God. Saturate it with tapes, DVDs, anything can, you can get. Because that's where the enemy is going to try to to uh, separate us from God, is in our minds. And Joy's going to talk about it. and I, I have to be careful, because she has her talks, and sometimes I talk over her talks. And I found out yesterday I said some of the things that she was going to say. So just disregard what I said yesterday, and we'll start. <laughs> okay, so today, yesterday was justification by faith. I, I ended with that thought. It's on page 62 of Steps to Christ, where it says, um, As sinful as your life may have been for Christ's sake, you are accounted righteous. You're covered with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Okay. And it's just as if you had never sinned. Thank you, James and, and Beth. Thank you. So many you like that. It's just as if you never sinned. I don't know. Has anybody in here ever sinned? Maybe, maybe I'm talking the wrong group. I mean, the Bible says we're we'll all sin and come short of the glory of God, but maybe I'm in a different group. Maybe you don't fit into that group. But, yeah. But no, that's, that's what this... Here, let me read it. This is what I closed with yesterday. That whole talk yesterday, I gave, my, I gave you my talk, my, my testimony of how I found Christ or how he found me. Totally cleaned my act up from being a drunken baseball player and smoking dope and stuff to he made me a new person. He gave me my mind back. It was, now, And you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to that depth to find Christ. You just have to realize that without him, you're nothing. You can't do anything. And then you submit, God, I need your help. I'm tired of being a gossip. I'm tired of being the, the greatest complainer in the church. You know? In fact, let me tell you a story. I, I was going to tell this yesterday, but I'm going to tell it today. My wife had an ectopic pregnancy back in the early 80s. And we at that point in our time, we were using everything in our life as a witness for Jesus Christ. And so... It was devastating, but yet she went to the hospital, almost bled to death. Well, she's in there recuperating. She met a man that had never seen a Bible before, gave her Bible away, had Bible studies in it. And she was comforting the other ladies that were going through a similar experience. We didn't think anything of it, because we're here as witnesses for Jesus Christ, each one of us here. We're missionaries. No matter where we are, we're missionaries. And so um, I told somebody the story about how Jody was able to give her Bible away. And so this guy heard about it, and so somehow he got me roped into talking at camp meeting about the story. I told the story, and this older gentleman came up afterwards and says, "Um, I want what you have. I go, what what are you talking about? You have something, and I want it. In my mind, I'm praying. We should be praying all the time, you know, just that, And I I said, "Well, this is the thought that came to him. I just say asking about his relationship with Christ. You know, how do you meet Christ?" So I asked asked him that. He went through this thing about, well, he had gone to some meetings 25 years ago, learned about the mark of the beast and the Sabbath truth, and all those types of things. And I just I joined the church, got baptized. I said, "That's nice. How's how's Jesus acting or reacting in your life on a daily basis?" Well, um, you know, I joined the church and then I became a deacon and I worked my way up to being an elder. And now I've been a head elder elder for several years. I said, that's wonderful. That's great. I'm glad you're serving the Lord. But what's, what's happening with you and Jesus? How's he fitting into your life's work here? And then he hung his head and he said, I don't even know if I know him. Okay? Now this goes along with what I was sharing yesterday that many come in and we give them a head knowledge in evangelism but not how, how does it work how do I walk how do I abide in Christ okay so that, all, that talk yesterday that's what that was all about and so as in God's providence we ended up staying in his house one weekend we did some health talks at his church and this gentleman had a, a, a tremendously terribly short fuse and we get angry just about anything and I actually witnessed him taking his hat off and throwing it on the ground and jumping up and down on it you know I mean, this is the way it was. It was almost humorous, except it was so sad. And so as we talked with him, and we started sharing how we found Christ and how God had changed our life and all this, uh, he didn't say a whole lot, but that Sabbath, we were uh, in, in church, about the f- first couple of pews in church, and the uh, superintendent said, that's when we used to have Sabbath school class, and in superintendent reports, Do you remember those days? <laughs> they don't do that anymore, but well, some places don't. Uh, but um, the superintendent asked if there was anybody who'd like to give a testimony and so we hear this gentleman get up and he's crying and the closer he gets to the front he's sobbing and he got up and he said friends I, I need to apologize to you um, I've been a Seventh-day Adventist for like 30 years whatever it was and you know I've been an angry person I've driven people out of the church I've been rude and hurt people, and I am convinced that I never knew Jesus Christ for myself, and that night, Friday night, he had gotten down and surrendered his life, his temper, his everything in his life, and God came in and gave him peace, and that's what God wants to do with each one of us, but he had to get down and humble himself, and he had to surrender that to God, and so... um so what, what that told me, I just confirmed in my mind that what we do, and I'm not down on evangelism because I do evangelism, and we just finished three sets of meeting in three churches Do do, do. yeah. And um, but what it, what it told me is that in order for us to make a change in our church and in the world, we need to make the gift of salvation real and pertinent, and how does it work in our life, okay? So, today we're going to talk about the second part because the first part was justification by faith. I never read that, did I? That's on page 62. It's beautiful. I don't know if anybody will say amen after this or not, but I'm going to try it again and see what happens. 62. We have no righteousness of our own with which to meet the claims of the law of God. Okay. Thank you, Olson. Amen. Okay. None. Okay, that's pretty cool. Now, but Christ has made a way of escape for us. He lived on earth amid trials and temptations such as we have to meet. He lived a sinless life. He died for us, and now he offers to give himself, uh, give himself, now he offers to take our sins and give us his righteousness, his perfect obedience. Okay, did you get that? I kind of stumbled over that. Okay. Okay. If you give yourself this afternoon, I don't care what you did last year, or weeks, or what offices you held in the church. My wife, when she found Christ, she was a kindergarten teacher, she was a, the pastor's secretary, she made the bulletins and several other things. And then she came to the realization that, um, well, I'll let let her tell you that tomorrow. I don't want to take anything away from her. So, if you give yourself to him today, right now, and accept him as your personal Savior, then as sinful as your life may have been, for his sake, you are accounted righteous. Now, this part blows me away. Christ's character stands in place of your character, and you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. Okay. Oh, all right. People are waking up. Amen. Okay, so now we can step the, into the second step of this. I saw you last year, didn't I? Weren't you in there? And stress? Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. But now we have to go into how do I live it? How does this thing work? Okay, great. My sins are forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm a new creature. Last yesterday's forgiven, and last week and last month, and last year, and ten years ago. What I did ten years ago and when I was in elementary school, that goofy thing I did to the teacher, it's forgiven. Okay, so now we move on to, we, we call this sanctif- the sanctification part of it, or living a holy life. And the, the, the uh, definition for sanctification is simply this, daily dying to self and daily conforming our will to the will of God. Okay, now it's, it's easy to say that, but when you have to do it, It's a little harder because there's habits that we perform. There's things that we like to do that are not right. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict you of those things. And now you're going to have a struggle. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to give it up? Or are you just going to keep on living the way you're living? So, desire of age, the proud heart strives to earn salvation. But both our title to heaven and our fitness is found in the righteousness of Christ. Our titles of justification. Our fitness is that everyday life. It's still found in Jesus Christ. So don't get the idea okay, I know I'm, I'm cleansed. I'm a new creature. Now I've got to go do it. And when you read this book, you're going to find out that it's going to get very dry and it's going to be very hard and lifeless. And it's not going to be a lot of fun. Because I tried that for three or four months on my own, trying to obey, and I got wore out. More than once, and so what it says here is that i need to I need to realize that my salvation is in Christ, and, and I need to talk and think of Jesus and not let self and other people's attitudes and their lives and stuff get in my way of separating me from Christ, okay so the Lord can do nothing towards recovering a man until convinced of his own weakness and stripped of all self-sufficiency. He yields himself to the control of God. And being raised a Seventh-day Adventist, and the third time around when I swear my life to Christ for myself, not because of my mom or the principal or the pastor, I did it for myself. Uh, and I'm, I'm walking with God now, and the Holy Spirit was given to me. When we get baptized, the Holy Spirit's supposed to be given to us at that point that keep us from sinning. Are you real, do you realize that? That's what his job is. And so I didn't know that, but I read it later. And so I got baptized, I surrendered my life to God, and now this still small voice has started telling me things, you know? You know, do this, share that, you know? And it was so much fun. So this is what God wants to do, but I, I, you have to, everyone has to get to this point where you're stripped of your own self-sufficiency, and you realize you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. I want to share some things, so some practical things so you can hopefully see how this works. Uh, so what happens after I give my life to Jesus Christ? And the, my wife went through this, and she's going to tell that story. She gave her life to Christ at a concert, and then afterwards she went well, out. What do I do? And so God, God, showed her what to do, and He told her and taught her. So, so what happens? Okay, the moment we surrender ourselves to God, believing in Him, you have His righteousness. This is not a long process. Okay, it goes like that. You're covered. You're forgiven. You're whole, you're complete, Paul says. "Okay." But now this walk in holiness we talk about, this character-developing thing, this is a work of a lifetime. They call it a work. But every day, we're simply giving up on ourselves. And uh, if you're married and there's two people and we both have our own ideas and attitudes about things, you have a lot of opportunities to die to self. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. But every time you do it, it's easier to do it the next time. And before long, before you realize it, you look like Jesus. And people are going to say, how come your face is lit up? You know, who do you know? What do you? <laughs> it works. Uh, okay, so the very moment, this is not a long process. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with, with God. So God actually starts changing our, our boutons, our buttons in our brains. Uh, I swore my socks off before I became a Christian. Every other word, and one word in particular, I used all the time. My vocabulary is very small because of that, I think. But um, that was one of the first things that God worked with me on because um, I swear my life to Christ, and then I was trying to witness to my dad, who wasn't a Christian. We went fishing together down the river and went smelt fishing. It's kind of it's kind of fun. I don't know if you know about smelt fishing, but and so I'm pulling the the net in with all these fish, and I slipped and fell in the water. And so the next thing that came out of my I slipped and swore. But now it's different. It wasn't like before I was a Christian before I gave my life. to me. Now it's man, God, I'm sorry. How could I do that? And I felt like I'd hurt Christ, you know, because I misrepresented his character. Before, I didn't care about if I misrepresented his character, but now I care. That's the Holy Spirit. And so I started apologizing to my dad. He goes, well, what's wrong with you? I've heard you swear your whole life. And that was true. I got kicked out of first grade in public school for swearing. And they sent me home. In first grade, little kid. Because it was just language in our home. We just talked that way. Okay? So um, I, I got home that night, and I'm praying. I say, God, what are we going to do? Um, people are asking me to get up and talk. What if I get in church, up in front of church, and then start swearing? You know, without thinking about it, it just starts coming out. And so I was praying about what to do, and then this thought came in just slow down and think before you speak. And I started doing that, and before long, I wasn't swearing. And then it helped me with my temper. I wasn't just blowing up every time some little thing went wrong. And so that's a good counsel God gives us just slow down and think before you speak. It's helped, it's helped me a lot with my marriage. That uh, my wife doesn't even know this, but sometimes I'll just slow down and think before I say. I mean, I say a lot of things that I probably shouldn't say, but sometimes, most of the things, if she knew what I was thinking and saying, that she would think I was a different type of person. But since I've been controlling my thoughts now and just slowing down and speaking uh, nice things, then uh, she, she has a different impression of me, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. God gives us this new mind to think, and our, our likes and dislikes change. God does it. Uh, yesterday, I, or, yeah, yesterday I talked about music, how he changed my like for music from being hardcore in rock and roll to, to listening to Christian music. Okay, so God did that. He changed it. I didn't just get up one morning and say, okay, I'm not going to listen to it anymore because it was a battle. James,
1: and the most difficult word
0: in that phrase, in that verse, is the first word, let. Yeah, let. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. So number one, let the minds transform. God does that. With, with uh, Nicodemus, when you read chapter three of Nicodemus there, it's a, it's a miraculous thing that happened outside of himself. He couldn't figure it out. But it's something that's outside of us. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let this mind be in you. Let me go to number three. The mind is transformed. By beholding Jesus Christ, we become changed. It is the love of self that brings unrest. When we are born from above, the same mind will be in us that was in Jesus. The same mind. Can you imagine that? The mind that led him to humble himself that we might be saved. And I could share a number of stories of where, uh, by, through God's grace, I was able to humble myself and didn't get in an argument with a person I was working with. The mind is transformed. Then we shall not be seeking the highest place. We shall desire to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn of him. Now, we need to do this every day. We need to be converted every day. It's not a once saved, always saved. Every day we need to spend time with the Lord and submit our wills into his hands. I do that. I do that every day. When I first thing I open my mind, I say my eyes, I say, God, uh, new day, new things ahead. I, I need you today more than I did yesterday. So please come in and control me. Take control. And the awesome thing about it, especially doing Bible work I did for five years, when I would submit my way to the Lord. He would do miraculous things during, during the week, meeting people and, and talking to people. It's, it's amazing, so just try it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, then we shall not seek the highest place. We shall desire to see at the feet of Jesus and learn of him. And the life is transformed. We won't even notice it probably some of the times, but people will. you know Our friends, families like, "Wow, he's really changed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Uh, behold, all things are become new. This is a text I gave you yesterday. This is a text that, that God gave me in the very beginning, walking with him, and it, it brought my my mental faculties back to normality, whatever that was. But he, he healed me through this because I believed that I was a new creature. And Paul did the same thing when he, he said, I, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I forget those things are behind. Satan wants us to, to remember the past and the things we've done, and God wants us to move forward, okay, and keeping our eyes on him. Uh, no sooner does one come to Christ than there is born in his heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. Yeah, this is one sign that tells me that the majority of our church have not tasted and seen that God is good. Because if people have tasted and seen that God is good, is good, they're going to do this part. Amen. And when you try to get anything going, hang on, handing out glow tracks uh, in even in gathering back in the old days, it was a terrible trying to jerk people to go out and sing to people. You know. So, But once once you've tasted and seen that God's good, you've been born again, God does this. This is not something I have to lay a guilt trip on you to make you do stuff. God puts it in your heart, a desire to make known uh, what a precious friend you have found. And the very last message to be given in, in this world, the very last message, is a transcript of God's character revealing his people. And we're supposed to go and tell what God has done for us. Now, every one of us have your own experience with God. You know what he's done in your life. He, you know where he's brought you from, right? That's not my testimony. That's yours. And yet God says, go and tell what I've done for you. Natural thing. Now you're going to go, oh, man, now I have to go do something. No, it's not a burden, honestly. He will just in, He'll impress you. There's, there's times I've been in a store... In fact, I just did it, I did it in pennies last couple of days ago. But we were in Lowe's one day, and when you go out, out the uh, checkout thing, well, there's a robotic woman standing there going, Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? you know, and I go, so I said, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. a <laughs> uh, weirdest conversation. And so this day, God just spoke to my mind and said, Ask her if she's really fine. Now anybody could do that. You guys can do that, can't you? Just say that. Are you really fine? See? Okay, she did it. Um and so I said that, are you really fine? And man, that caught her off guard. She woke up from her days Whoa, oh where are my lows? Okay. Uh yeah, well, are you really fine? Well, no, not exactly. Well, what's wrong? What's happening? Well, my mom's in the hospital. She's dying of cancer, and I don't know what to do about it. I said, uh would you mind if I prayed with you right now? Nobody's in line to check out. She kind of looked around. No, I'd like that. So Jody came up, and so we, we uh, got together right there and just prayed for her mom, you know, and then asked her to God to give her peace. Okay, now anybody can do that. And stuff like this happens all the time to us if we're willing. You know, don't, don't be freaked out. Don't be afraid. Because we're, probation is closing on this earth right now, you guys. I'm telling you. It's just crazy. The end of all things at hand. We need to do what we can do right now while we can do it. Sister? Sister,
1: um, I was at
2: work, and um, I had a friend of mine that was at the VHS office. And she knew I was playing Christian music in the middle of and they were going through something. something. And she said, do you mind if you play with me?
0: Because I know you're spiritual, I can tell that that God has a hand I stopped
2: like right what I was doing, amen. And
1: I grabbed praise the Lord. And she told her daughter, She said, Touch her, she's
2: gonna And I prayed with her right there, amen. You know, anytime somebody asks me to pray for them, I don't say, Well, I'll do it, I'll put you on my prayer list. Right, stop right there. Amen. Because I might not have that.
0: you exactly right. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Okay, so. As soon as we give our lives to Jesus Christ, which... Um, yes, sir? How,
2: how did the Holy Spirit tell you to ask for Jesus?
0: Okay, it's not a voice. It's a thought. You know, it's just this thought. Impression. Ask, impression, yeah, we're going to call it. And I've had those a number of times. And every time I listen I do it, it's always good. It always. T- there have been times where I haven't listened, and then the Holy Spirit rebuked me. So it's not a voice, you guys. I'm not talking, listen to these little voices. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I was on a roof one day uh, finishing a garage I was building for this guy and a, a high school friend and I had been out of the area for about 25 years and a car pulls up with two ladies in it. One jumps out and goes into the house and the other one gets out and leans against the car. I'm finished the roof finishing the roof on the, on the shed, the garage. And this thought came into my mind, go down and talk to her. No, I can't. I've got to get this thing done before Sabbath. Go down and talk to her. Three times. I ignored it. I can't do it. So then the, lady in the house comes out, jumps in the car, and they take off. And so then the owner of the house comes out and she says, do you know who that was in the car? I go, no, I've been 25 years. No, I don't know who it was. That was um, Karen so-and-so. Oh, really? Wow. Small world. Yeah, I haven't talked to her for years. I said, how's she doing? Not very well. She just got out of the hospital for the third time for overdosing on cocaine. And she's not going to be around too much longer. And God spoke to me and said, you're so busy with your own thing. You can't take time out to go meet somebody else and share something with. And we don't know. Like you said, we only get one time here. You know, We have to do what we can right now. So listen, listen. Uh, I wish I had a whole, a whole period just to talk about the Holy Spirit and, and how this thing works, how to interact with him. It's it's pretty interesting. I haven't figured it all out, but when I listen to him, it's, it's really sweet. So, okay, I got that one. Um, this is a personal invitation to you. I've chosen you. Jesus said that. I've chosen you. And I have ordained you. You know, this big thing about ordination, who's getting ordained, who shouldn't, who should not. God's ordained you to bring forth good fruit. He ordained me 30-some years ago, I don't know, 40 years ago now maybe, to go and share what He's done for me. He ordained me to do that. He's ordained you too. So I've I've chosen you, I've ordained you. Does that make you feel special? Okay. I, caught, you know, I taught school for 23 years. I used to know. So then he says, I've ordained you now, go and tell. All right. There's your walking orders. There's your papers. Go and tell. Has anybody in this room ever shared Jesus Christ with anybody? One, two, three. Awesome, you guys. Praise the Lord. You're in the right class. I love it. Okay. You I'm not saying you had to baptize them. I mean, just, you know, share, encourage, give some literature, do something to further the kingdom of God. Go and tell. Okay. Who, me? <laughs> I can't do that. I'm the shyest person in the world. You know, when I, when I came back into the church, you know, I'd been baptized three times, but the, the third time when I actually surrendered my life to Christ and I went into the church and I felt dirty and I felt like everyone was looking at me and I'd sit on the back row. I'd, I'd go in after church started, sit in the back row, and then before it was over, I'd get up and walk out, you know, so no one would talk to me. And so I was uh, basically a shy person, I guess you'd say. Except in high school, I wasn't. You know. But now I'm really—I was really introverted. And so it was hard just to uh, to share, especially something spiritual, because it was all new and it wasn't cool to talk about God. So uh, He, God, did something in my life, who me? So um, as I'm as I'm recuperating from my years of alcohol and, and drugs and stuff, the Holy Spirit. I can say that now, I didn't know the Holy Spirit, but he impressed me to go see your mother. And so I went home to Mommy. I was 27 years old, and I was a wreck. I was a mess. And then she got me to eat vegetarian food and drink water and sunlight and, and exercise, fresh air, all these eight laws of health. They really work. I'm a living example of it working. Gave me my mind back. But every day I'd go out and walk around this little town where my mom lived, about a couple thousand people. And I'd walk by this lady, not this lady, but a lady like this. She was laying in a hospital bed in the the picture window in the front of her house there. And I'd walk by and I'd see her. I wouldn't think too much of it until the third or fourth time I walked around. And then the still small voice started speaking to me. This was the first time I heard the still small voice. And he's saying, go talk to the lady. What? I'm not going to talk to the lady? And so I kept on walking. The next day I walk around. It's about a mile. Come back. Go talk to the lady. I'm not going to go talk to that lady. She doesn't know me. I don't know her. So I keep on going. Like the third or fourth time, I finally got tired of hearing this voice telling me to go talk to her. Or not a voice. This is a thought. And so I thought, I'm not going by her house anymore. And so I stopped. I, I would go some other place. But then eventually I started doing it again. I went back to her house, and finally, this last day, I looked like this. If you were to vide- videotaping me, go talk to the lady. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go talk to. Go talk to the lady. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Okay, I will. I'll go talk to. No, I'm. Not- I don't know her. What am I going to say? I don't. Finally, I gave in. I said, oh, like, "Okay, God. I I don't know what I'm doing. I'll probably totally freak her out because I still look like a freak. My hair is still long, <laughs> and so I." I knocked on the door, went there, knocked on the door, and uh, she said, come in. Open the door. I said, hi, uh, <laughs> um, you don't know me. I just, uh, I walk by your, your house every day, and I see you in the window there, and I just just thought, maybe I could help you somehow. I don't know how, but and so she told me her problem. She had rheumatoid arthritis. She'd been in bed for nine years, and she couldn't watch television or read. Her The moisture in her eyes were drying up, and Whenever she closed her eyelids, it was like sandpaper, she told me. And I said, well, uh, I'm reading this little book I just started. It's about Jesus. I could come and share something with you every day if you want me to. Oh, would you? That'd be wonderful. So I did that. About six or seven weeks. Just read a little bit and talked about it. You know, talked about what I was reading, the paragraph or so. And within just a few months of reading that, and she found peace and joy in Jesus Christ, and then she went to sleep. So, but God knew that her time was short. I want you to go talk to her. So, uh, whenever you hear that still small voice, uh, just see what happens. Just see what happens. Okay, so, that, and this is what God does is after we send our life to Jesus Christ, we've tasted and seen that God is good, that God is love, and God has forgiven us, and now we have something to tell, and now He tells us to go. Go and share what I've done for you. Do you remember in Isaiah 51, it's the the prayer of repentance of David? Let's look at that. Psalm. Psalms. Did I say Isaiah? Sorry. Yeah, Psalms 51. Thanks, James. Keep me straight here. Psalms 51. I think it starts something like verse 13, something like that. 10 to 13, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, as, there's a principle here that God laid down. Okay, so, so David prays this. Psalms t- uh, 51.10, and we'll read down to 13. You can pray this prayer too. Because we've all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and so we need the gift of repentance, right? I talked about repentance yesterday, the last part. that's a gift from God. It's not something we do to make ourselves sorry enough. Remember Martin Luther beat himself into repentance trying to make himself sorry enough? it didn't work, until he fell in love with Jesus, and he saw that he was made righteous by faith in Christ alone, and it broke his heart, and then he repented. And so, here's David, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now when you do that part, Jesus, now David's going to do something. Verse 13, Then will I tr- teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. So after we have gone through that part, we, we receive the repentance that God offers us, we believe that we're forgiven, we're new creatures, we're not holding on to guilt and all the other baggage that Satan wants us to carry around, we're just free. Now we can go and tell others what he's done. Praise the Lord. Okay, you going to do that? Okay, he's, he's told us to go do that, right? So we have to obey our God, our Creator. Okay. So uh, how can I tell if I've been born again or not? Maybe some, after some of the things I read to you yesterday, maybe there are some doubts in your mind, like, well, maybe I haven't been born again. Maybe I was buried alive like some of these other folks. But here, this is how we can tell. It's in Steps of Christ. Who has your heart? With whom are your thoughts? With whom do we love to converse? Who has our warmest affections and our best energies? They will no longer fashion themselves. How can I? Oh yeah, They will no longer fashion themselves according to the former lusts or desires. But by the faith of the Son of God, they will follow in His steps and reflect His character. The things they once hated, they now love. And the things they once loved, they now hate. And some of this will be a slow process as God's taking things out of your life, your old habits and things you used to love. And before long you realize, well, I don't even like that music anymore. I can't even stand to hear it. I can't stand to be around cigarette smoke anymore. It chokes me up. I can't breathe. Yes, ma'am. One of the ways that I can tell that I'm
1: born again is when I... Uh, do something wrong and I don't realize it, he
0: makes
1: me feel so guilty that I get down on my <laughs> knees and cry and ask him to forgive me. Okay. He
0: makes me feel so guilty. He, he convinces you that your attitude is wrong or something. Because a lot of the stuff, we we deal with outside things. We're always trying to take care of the outside. But what this is talking about is character, right, who we are. Yes, sister. Um, I, my brother
2: died in January. Um, and the first sibling died. Mm. And I was still trying, you know, every now and then I wanted to drink. And I had been asking God to take it out of my life. And when I went home to, to bury my brother, I, was, I seen that all my friends were still drinking and carrying on. And when they offered it, I refused it. And on my way back home, God said, Do you really
0: have Amen, sister. Yeah. And
2: from that day until this day.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember I was building a house with a guy, and my boss said, well, let's go over and get a pop over at the mini-mart. Walk in, I had not had a drink for five years. Walk in the front door, it's a little mom and pop place. There's junk hanging all over the place, you know, and stuff. And so we opened the door, and here is the cooler right there with this beer with the condensation is running down the side of the beer, and it's like 80 degrees out. And do I remember what it was like? Yeah, I just went like this. Said, God, thank you for delivering me from that. And boom, it's gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. How am I doing on my time, baby? I'm not sure that cloth or this cloth just have
2: to be finished by 310. 310.
0: Okay. All right. So the ones they once hated, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the other thing. Yeah, this is how we can tell. And uh, you can do this. You can try this on yourself. You can ask well, what am I thinking about most of the time? What am I looking forward to? What's my pleasures and all this type of things? I remember having lunch with a guy, a church member, he worked at a Ford dealership. And so for like an hour and a half, he explained to me how he rebuilt the 390 engine in his Ford pickup or whatever it was. You know, and that, that was his life. That's what he loved to talk about. And so if you spend a lot of time with Jesus, before long, you're going to find yourself talking about Jesus a lot or his work or how to get the message out. It's, it's going to happen. You know? It's not something you plan. It's just, it just happens. I love it about that, about Christ. So, things that I once loved to hate. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in, in me. Uh this thing about abiding, and the people struggle with this. how does this thing work? And I, I taught school, high school kids for twenty three years, and this is one of the main issues with them. Well, how do I keep it fresh and, and new and alive? And basically it's spending time with him and then sharing what you're learning. Yeah. You know? And we do this all the time. You know, in church, there's people you hang out with. Um uh, the conversation will just come up and you'll share something you had for for devotions that morning. It's just a natural thing. Uh, same way with uh, when you're with the pastors. Now it's easy. Yes, ma'am? Oh, I thought, I thought you were waving your hand at me. Okay. <laughs> um, so it'll it'll be a, a natural thing. Your conversations uh, will change because your focus and the time you're spending with God is increasing. And it just bubbles out of you. You can't keep it in. Have you read that? It's in there. It's in there. You can't keep it in. you got to share it. Okay, yeah, who's the boss? Who's the boss of your life? Is it you? you still want to be your own boss, or do you want Christ to be your boss? I remember uh, being raised in Adventist, there were certain things I know that you're not supposed to do, and so I started cleaning my act up on my own, you know. And one day I was doing that, and this still small voice would come in and say, stop doing that. I'll go, well, what do you mean, stop doing that? That's what I'm supposed to do. That's my part of it. You spend time with me, and I will clean you up. And he did that. That's how he took swearing out of my life. That's how he changed my diet. You know, it wasn't something uh, hounding me and that you've got to stop doing this and stop eating five meals a day and those types of things. It was something that it, it just happened as I spent time with him and I, I read you know different types of materials and I thinking the conviction came. You know what? This is the body temple. This is God wants to dwell in me so I want to take good care of my body. Okay? Yes, sir.
1: How long was that transformation?
0: It's still going on. that has been about 40 years.
1: <laughs> but
0: but but the, the truth is from the
1: time you receive grace. Yeah. God will. So you know you change. Yeah. Then you know struggle in your life as your grace kind of uh just started. The, the
0: the first the first parts the first, the first things were very rapid. I'll tell you that. Uh, he worked with my clothes. I talked about that yesterday. How he got me to wear a suit instead of jeans.
1: Yeah, I don't like that for me. It was rapid at first.
0: Yes, and then as you kind of settle into the truth, and and some of the now you're starting to learn truths in a, in a kind of I don't know a different way, but it's a a more deeper thing. And then you, now you have more time to reason. Well, is this? Is this really uh, what God wants me to do? Those types of things. And then I, I incorporate those things. And so what I call it, I just applied the word. So in, like in Galatians and in Colossians, where it has a list there, putting off the old man, putting on the new. Right,
1: the spirit, the the man. Yeah. Oh, you you
0: not, no, not in the last 40 years. No, I never went back. Never went back. Uh, because I'd tasted and seen it was good. And I, because I'd messed up for, you know, two baptisms in a row. I mean, one when I was 14 and the other when I was 21. And so I, I knew the other side. You know, I'm not suggesting you need to go to the other side to find out what it's like. I don't want you to do that. But because I went to the other side, I love the light side better than the darkness. Is that, is that better? Say it that way? Okay. And in John uh, chapter 1, it says, As many as received him, Gave you power to become the sons of God, and so I know I've never looked back. Uh, now, one time, and this was just playing around, which you shouldn't even do this. But my wife and I were in a little store about eight o'clock at night in California. It was a little mom and pop store, and they were playing old oldie but goodies. Okay. And there was a song on there called Wild wow, Thing, you make my heart sing, you make my heart go. <laughs> I'm so, yeah. And so I'm and we're looking, we're just laughing because it's so, it was so funny to us now. But you know, there was a time in our life that it was cool. Well here's a lady, she's wow thing down the aisle. She's dancing by the soup, you know, Campbell's soup. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go and just start dancing with it. And I couldn't do that. I thought, no, you can't do that, you know. And so I didn't do it. But the the thought was there, you know. So what do I do with the thought? I turn it over to Jesus Christ. I submit it back to him. And then I keep on trucking. And so have I ever been tempted every day? <laughs> yes, sir. sister?
1: Sometimes when, um, and you can't help it when you go into places of business, and it's clean, you, know, but you don't want that. Tune in your mind because your thoughts should be on Jesus. Yeah. Sometimes, when that tune gets stuck in your head and you just can't get it out, I start singing a song like Amazing Grace in my mind, and it takes my mind off that song that got stuck in there and turns it to exactly
0: the that I sing. beautiful. That's right, that's right. Yes, yes sister.
1: I have CDs that have the scriptures set to music, and I play them over and over, and it's in my head. And Good. I, you can sing all those
0: scriptures. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When I first gave my life to Christ, I would go to sleep listening to C.D. Brooks' sermons. I mean, I'd go to sleep, and I'd wake up, and here he was. You know? And so I did that over and over again. Yeah, it's good to do that. You want to fill your mind with the word.
2: When I, was, when I, I, was, when I turned 50, I said, I give my life to Christ. I said, I gave the world enough, and I was not going. But all of my family was still dealing with me. Drugs and drinking, and I had to pull away. Yeah, and they said, Well, you think you're better than me. I said, yeah. You say what you want, but I can't do it anymore,
1: right? On. And
2: I had to pull back. So then, God told me one night, He said, You got to come out and pull a walk. And I'm going,
1: What for a wall? I didn't
2: understand. And I'm sitting on the side of the bed doing my devotion. He said, You got to come, I mean, loud to the point my head with hurt. He said, he, but what he was telling me that I had to go out. To pass out my literature. And I was mm-hmm. passing out the Bible book, uh, Bible reading for home. I passed out of the book of
1: <laughs> the All right. To
2: uh, Parrot Town ministries, mm-hmm. homeless shelters. And then people would see me on the <coughs> I'd talk to you. i sit right there and talk to And then somebody else would get involved. I like the way you sound. <laughs> Can you talk to me more? Yeah. It's just to get that in there. Yeah. Know? And when, I, when she invited me to, I never came, i get baptized. I'd Praise it. the Lord. Hallelujah. I was, the only time I was baptized was when I was 12. Well, my mom said that we was converted from her, listen, they used to say when we were small, all the sins fell on the parents. Mm-hmm. My mom said, well, you get 13 you got to get, I don't want your sins on me. You got to get. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I got enough of my own. <laughs> so,
2: you have, you know, door to door to, to- yeah. And if you can walk down this long road with white roads on the guy baptized in this lake. Okay. Well, I didn't know I was just a child. Sure. But to be baptized at my age to know what I know is going to be a powerful
1: thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you brought something up, and this is what God did with me, too. I had to separate myself from my, my family, my group, the guys I hung out with, the guys I was playing baseball mm-hmm. with. I couldn't do that anymore. And I heard the same thing. I'm goody two, two, nice goody two shoes. There we go. Yeah, but that's okay because this is eternal. you know? They could and, do what
2: Christ can do for me. Uh, and since yeah. I, I'm from Florida and I've been here since
0: 2009, and since I've been here, I've been Christians, Oh. I graduated from college with, with, with
2: honors. Oh, Hallelujah. Beautiful. I, wow. I, I did this. The money that I was working with from school, my money and my, my grandma and, and people would ask me, "Well you ain't going shopping, you ain't going to practice?" I said, "No I'm going to take this money and use it for what
0: God said. Amen. right now, two more years in the house. Hallelujah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, do you ask how am I to abide in Christ the same way in the way you first received him? It's always by faith. And faith, it's, we, we always use uh, he, Hebrews chapter 11, is it? He, uh, faith is a subject of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But I like the one in Mount of Bless, or it's in book education, where uh, faith is trusting God, believing that he loves you and knows what is best for your good. So instead of your own way, now you're, you're choosing God's way. You're believing he knows what is best and right. And so, there's a lot of times that we've been in situations where we don't know what to do, and yet we'll stop and say, Well, God, we're placing this thing in your hands. We don't know what to do. And it's always, somehow, it always opens up, and He shows us what to do. There's not a special formula I can say, Well, we did this, and this happened. We simply submitted it back to God, and and it worked. Okay, so ask, as you have therefore received Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walking in Him. You gave yourself to God to be his holy, to serve and obey him, and you took Christ as your Savior. Okay? We need to do that every day, and that's how we, we abide in Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, you could not of your own selves, here's another positive thing, atone for your sins and change your heart. But having given yourself to God, you believe that He, for Christ's sake, did this for you. Who did it? Okay. Christ did. Um, by faith, you became Christ, and by faith, you are to grow up in him by giving and taking. So it's, this whole thing is, is less of us and more of him. And so as we're spending time with him every single day, the result is you're going to be abiding in Christ. Now, you have to choose that every day. You know, I choose it every day and choose to spend time with him. Okay, um, you are to give your all, your heart, your will, your will, your service. Give yourself to Him to obey all His requirements, and you must take all. Christ, the fullness of all blessing, to abide in you, in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper, to give you power to obey. Christ gives us power to obey to say no to the flesh. If you look in. Galatians chapter 5, you got a whole list of the flesh, right? Okay. And then you got the fruits of the Spirit at at the bottom there. Okay. So when you look at that list, that list is not going to inherit eternal life. You know, anger, hatred, uh, lasciviousness, and adultery, fornication, those things, they're not going to inherit it. Okay. So we can't be doing those things, calling ourselves Christians and acting like that and doing those things. You can't do it. It doesn't work. But for Christ's sake, he will give us... Power to say no to the flesh. So when you're in the store, guys, and your your eyes pop onto some Playboy or some other magazine, instead of drooling over it and thinking, oh, wow, I I wish I could do this. Now you're turning your mind back to Christ. You're abiding in Christ. Like like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Remember that? He says, how can I do this against my God? How can I sin against God? We have to get to that point that we acknowledge that we've got an appointment with Jesus Christ on the sea of glass. And I'm not gonna let anything keep me from that appointment. Okay? The enemy's always trying to bring stuff in, so we'll not keep that appointment on the sea of glass. But I'm stubborn enough, and it's okay to be stubborn in this aspect, that I'm not going back there and doing those things. Okay? Alright. See, Mike, I got about five minutes. Uh, God's ideal for this is beautiful, this is out of desire of ages. God's ideal for his children is higher than the highest thought can reach. Be therefore perfect. Now, people get freaked out when they think, oh no, I gotta be perfect, so now I have to do this, I need to do that. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about abiding in him, and he's gonna give you his love to live through you to somebody else. It's about, this perfect love is about perfect, and perfect perfection is about perfect love, about loving other people, which we don't have naturally. We're carnal. We're born carnal. And we don't want to know God. We don't want to have anything to do with His law. That's what Romans says. And yet God gives us this love so we can actually care about other human beings. So, be therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This command is a promise. The plan of redemption contemplates our complete recovery from the power of Satan. This is good news. So Satan has no right to drag you by the nose and get you involved in all kinds of goopy stuff, okay? Uh, He's not allowed to do that. Now, if we give him permission, then he can drag us just about any place he wants to. So we can't, we got to stop it right away. As soon as he starts tempting us and things coming in that are not right, then just close the door. You turn to Christ like a flower turns to the sun. Yeah, I do it all the time, every single day. Have I ever fallen? Yes, I did. A couple times. <laughs> More than that, but a couple of times, big time, where I almost uh, punched one of my t- students in high school. I was the teacher. I was the Bible teacher, teaching them how to walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe I should tell you a story. <laughs> But, but all things work together for good. So this kid that I was having problems with anyway, he was rocking around, rocking back and forth in this load of lumber, and he dropped the lumber on my foot, and he started laughing at me and pointing at me and making fun of me. And the old nature just whoosh, was up in my face. And so I got, I got up in his face and said, I, have, I ought to punt your, punch your face in, except I said it really angrily. And guess how long it took the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to me, sister? Yeah, in a second. What are you doing? What did you say? And it blew me away. It freaked me out. I couldn't even believe I said it. And so I went into this grow room in our greenhouse, and I just fell on the floor and started crying. I said, God, I blew it. That was me. That was the old man. And so um, I cried for a long time. I said, I can't teach anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then the Holy Spirit came in, in a still, small, loving way, like he always does, he says, You need to go back and, and tell the kids. There were five of them there. Tell the kids that that was you and not me. Yeah, I wanted to do it. I wanted to make things right. And so I did that. The kids are in the office and they're all blaming themselves for my blowing it. And so I went in there. I said, You guys, I'm sorry. I blew it. You know, I let go of Jesus. I, that, was, that was me. That was the old man. That's the way I used to be. And they said, Oh, gee, it's not your fault. We, we did this. I said, No. It's, it's on me. I'm sorry. And so the neat thing about it was the next day, the kid I was having problems with all the time that I was going to punch his face and he came to me and says, you know, I've been real a real, uh, I won't say the word, um, bad person. I've been giving you a bad time, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so then we became friends. He became a Bible worker later on. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and then 16 years later, Joey, I'm out of time. No, don't forget to
1: tell him about his favorite that's going to dance.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the next class was, uh, thanks, my Bible class. Did I feel like teaching Bible? No, I was told, I was still shaking, you know, like, what happened? So I go and I sit down, and then the assignment I gave the day before, this girl flips her paper on my desk and spins around and lands there inside of book steps of Christ and says, your hope is not in yourself, it's in Christ. So God never left me there. He reminded me, your hope is not in yourself, it's in Christ. Sixteen years later, one of the kids that was in that class, he wrote a letter to us and said, I just want you to know that that day when you blew it, and I know you remember that, and I did, that has helped me so much in raising my kids because you humbled yourself and you came and you apologized to us. And he said that spoke volumes to me, and I've had to do that with my kids so many times. So thank you, Mr. G. That's what he called. <laughs> okay. Man, I wish I had more hours. You have really important
1: slides.
0: I do, yeah. Okay. Christ always separates the contrite soul from sin. Okay? So we've already surrendered our life to Christ, so we know because of that, you've been separated from sin. Okay, You're, And that's not part of you anymore. Now Christ is filling the temple up. Okay? You have to believe that. You have to say that. I'm a new creature today. Can you say that for me? I'm a new creature today. The old things are passed away. The old <laughs> attitudes, the old griping, complaining, the old guilt, all that stuff's gone. Okay? You must believe that. Um, he came to destroy the works of the devil, and he has made provision, check this out, that the Holy Spirit shall be imparted or given to us, to every repentant soul. Why? To keep us from sinning. In order for me to sin now, I have to go against the Holy Spirit. And there's another statement I have in here I won't share with you right now. But I just found it. It's the contrary to that one. It says, the enemy of our souls wants us to believe that God cannot keep us from sinning. Okay? I hear Jesus says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to keep you from sinning. And then the enemy wants us to believe that God will not keep us from sinning. So, by being connected to Christ, he can keep us from falling. Jude 24, right? And then yesterday I said, you will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, but with the temptation provide a way of escape. And I've been on the border of, of committing a sin, and I prayed, and the Holy Spirit has provided a way for me to escape it. Okay? So it is possible. It does work. we just got to believe God's word. And at last, our last meeting, we're going to talk about Jesus when he comes to this earth. Will he find faith on the earth? That's the question he asks. And so, as we're interacting with him on a daily basis, this is how we exercise our faith. And this is how faith grows, too, as we meet uh, problems, uh, issues. Uh, what, what's the other thing? T- trials, temptations. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's Joe. <laughs> please, please come back. I mean, she's got some really good in- in- I'm, I'm stepping all over her again. I'm sorry. Is that it, Joe? Oh. This is the text I was looking for yesterday. This one in Colossians 1.27. Galatians 2.20. Every day I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I live now, I live by fl- by the, in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Christ loves you he wants you to be victorious. He does not want you to be down in the mouth and moping and woe is me. He wants us to walk on the high plains of this earth. Bye. Come back tomorrow. I've got it wrong. Yeah. I hope you can make it through that mess in there. That's an obstacle of course. here last night too. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We better have prayer. I uh, got. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily, and we are complete. You're complete in Jesus Christ, okay? you got to believe that. Okay. I think that's probably all the time I have, right, babe? So let's have a quick prayer. Thank you for coming. Please come back tomorrow. There's more juicy stuff. She's going to share the women's side of things. Um, you'll enjoy it. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, just want to praise you and thank you for your power to keep us from falling. And the enemy, like I read before, he wants us to believe that we're hopeless, uh, we have no strength, and yet all power is available to us through God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father. There's people today that want us to believe that the Holy Spirit's nothing. But Lord, you're all-powerful. You come to us and you convict us of things. You give us power to say no. No. So please bless each person here, Lord, in their walk with you. And help us to believe that promise. We're new creatures today. No matter what's happened in the past, those things have been forgiven. They've been taken to the cross. And we're new. Please help us to believe that, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: This media was brought to you by
0: Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.